This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 202. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads, and I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Welcome to the show, folks. Uh, Scott, how are you doing? Uh, we've, we've had a little bit of a break since our January podcast, but we're jumping back into February 2024 here with a, with a good episode, I think. Yeah, thanks. Uh, doing well. Short answer is doing well. January was very busy on multiple fronts, so... Uh, a lot of it involved Cozy Veils, the Cozy Fantasy shared world that I uh, launched last uh, year with a bunch of amazing, talented authors. We got our winter anthology that went live in December, and we promptly followed that up by opening up the world uh, to some people who had expressed interest in writing in Cozy Veils throughout 2023. And we finally said, OK, now's the time. We got our anthology out. Come on in if you want to come hang out in Cozy Veils for a while. Now's the time. We just got three new authors on board. The group is working on our summer anthology, which is due out in June. So we're beginning to pull together new veils, new settings, new characters, all of that world building. It's amazing and really why I love shared worlds, collaborating and co-creating with authors. So a lot of emphasis and work on that. Um, you know, we have we now have a map. We have a color. I was going to say, are you going to mention the map? Because there's a map of Cozy Vales now. There is. There is. There should have been in November, but I didn't get around to it until January. But now we have a map. Uh, we've been sending out emails on a regular basis to our subscribers, giving them updates on what's happening in the Vales. I recommend if you have any interest at all in this world, uh, if you liked the anthology, check out cozyveils.com sign up for the email list uh it is it is essentially the golden acorn it's the broadsheet the most popular newspaper in the veils you're essentially subscribing to that and you're getting these email updates from birdie blentz who is the chief editor at the golden acorn so it's very in world it's very fun uh we have restaurant reviews i think the next one's going to feature a restaurant review from inside cozy bales so we're we're making it very much try to feel like it's inside the world and you get these little glimpses these little insights into cozy bales that you either have seen in the anthology that came out in december or you're going to see going forward um and then i've been plotting my related to that i've been plotting the first book in my cozy bales series and um a lot of other stuff i can't quite talk about yet Maybe on the next podcast we'll talk about. And I want to just say, well, I just want to say first off that I love getting my emails from Birdie. Uh, The updates (laughs) from the Golden Acorn uh, are just just a moment where I just stop when I'm opening emails for the day, and I just stop and enjoy the read. And it's a nice break in going through what are usually a lot of work style emails. So it's a great great respite from my usual email fodder. Thank you. You are quite welcome, sir. Thank you for subscribing. What have you been up to? Oh, well, I'm deep in book nine of my Lone Wolf Squadron series, the sci-fi series I write in Michael Anderley's Cutharian Gambit universe. And um, I'm really excited. This is going to be the last of that series for a little while. It's not going to be the last I ever write. I, I envision another three three books or so at least. Um, but this will be the last for this year. Anyway, I've got some other projects I need to delve into, and this one's called star deputies and, um, you know, leaning into that space Western theme that I've, that I've really 
created for this series, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm about a quarter of the way through the first draft of that book and hope to have it finished up by the end of March or so. Um, that's, that's the plan, but I've got a, a, a spur of the moment vacation in the middle there that I'm taking. That's gonna, that's gonna, um, stop me from writing for about a week, but, um, well worth it. Can you, can you share? Where? Yeah, yeah. We're, I'm going to Scotland. My wife and I uh, needed a break and we, we got a really cheap flight to, uh, the UK. And so we're going to the Highlands up in Aberdeen and, and in the uh, highlands of Scotland, so we're going to see Loch Ness, and we're going to just um, immerse ourselves. I told my wife she had to stay away from any of the stone circles because I didn't want her swapping me out for some hot <laughs> Middle Ages Scot. So um, we'll uh, we'll just leave that there. I said she could only do it if she sent me back a hot Middle Ages female <laughs> Scot. So she she quickly said no. We'll we'll just leave things as they are. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Scotland's <laughs> definitely on my list of countries I want to go check out at some point. I can't wait to hear about your travels, sir. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And actually, I'm, I'm going to be I'm researching a new book for my Extreme Medical Services series while I'm there. I, I came up with an idea for a book immediately upon deciding we were going to Scotland. I said, wait a minute, I can I can make this into a book. So I'm going to be doing a lot of research while I'm there for that story. Very cool. More to Very come. Cool. How, oh, how are things going on with your uh, Ream um, platform? Oh, well, the subscription's going great. We've got, um, I just um, put up a new short story for my subscribers only. So um, you can follow for free and get a couple of short stories just for following me over there. But um, there's a... Um, there's a new short story I just uploaded for the, the subscribers I have that um, that are at the paid levels or above um, the, the initial paid level, um, which is only four ninety nine. I mean, for people, I tell people, you know, if you just want to help help me out and buy me a hot chocolate while I'm writing at the cafe, um, it, it costs you less than the cup, the cup of coffee that you might spend in a day and it's that gets you in for the whole month. So um, I hope people will take advantage of that. And I'll have more about that at the end of the episode. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I think it's time for us to jump into our interview. Today's guest is Effie Risho, and he's not only an author, he is a co-author. He has written a four book fantasy series with his daughter, Celia. And I'm very excited to see how that went. I, I can't imagine writing a book series with my, one of my kids, uh, much less my wife. So I'm I'm dying to see how that went. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's go. Effie, welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and readers out there? Yeah, well, uh, as you said, my name's Effie. Uh, I've I've loved writing my entire life, and uh, recently, about oh six years ago now, my my oldest uh, child, uh, Celia, said, "Dad, you know," and I've and I've kind of been a writer, and I, and and she said, "Dad, I want you to write this book. I have this idea," and so it it kind of spurred me off to start writing, uh, like and and publishing in the end uh, a series. So four four books have come out: uh, the Elementalists and that's why I'm here today is uh, talking about that process and those books. Fantastic. I appreciate you joining us. And for listeners, probably not, I don't think anyone else may, may know this. You just shared with us right before we hit record. This is your first podcast being interviewed, although you actually have a podcast you run and produce yourself. Yeah, I do. But 
so my my day job, I'm not making money as an author yet, uh, <laughs> or, or making a livable income, I should say. Um, so my day job is uh, is I do UX, which is user experience design in the software industry. And so I have a podcast called You Experts, uh, which has tens of listeners. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, no, but you know, I just started it uh, a few months ago with a friend of mine, and um, it's been fun. But yeah, this is my first interview, so thanks for having me, guys. No, I appreciate I appreciate your debut being with us. That's great. We yeah. we got three questions we typically offer or ask authors when they come on. So first okay. question, and then this just helps readers kind of put some context around where you are in your author career. When and why did you decide to start writing? And feel free to elaborate on the answer you just gave us. Oh yeah, well i i will I will step all the way back to uh, sixth grade. I had this incredible teacher, Mr. McHugh, who. Re- required the class to write a, a minimum of a one-page short story that he would read aloud to everyone on Fridays. And I quickly found out that I loved having him read my stories to the class because I, I was a good writer. I would make people laugh, and I loved getting that reaction from everyone. Uh, it was me and this other guy, John, who everybody, he'd say, all right, here's Effie's, and everyone would perk up. And you know, get get interested in it, laugh and laugh. And so I ended up writing longer and longer, you know, than this one page, and it just kicked me off. So all through my uh, my teenage years, I just started writing. Uh, and back then, I didn't have a good computer, so paper, <laughs> paper and pencil, <laughs> and writing, you know, kind of a fantasy series, a sci-fi fantasy. And then I took like you know some writing courses in college. Uh, I did a writing program and and sci-fi writing class that really got me thinking. And in the end, I started writing a sci-fi novel, which I shelved because I brought it to a writer's group and they uh, they tore it apart in a good way. And I and I was just like, and I just had kids and I thought, ah, oh, I'll come back to this. And um, so I was writing other stuff. And then I'm, I also write professionally just to, or I did anyway, as a part of my job, you know, technical stuff. But then, yeah, when my, when my, when Celia, started asking me to write a book with her, I was like, well, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. And so we kind of dug in and created the world, created the characters and the storyline and ended up being four books, possibly five to create this, you know, the story arc. And I was like, this is a big, this is a big thing. And she's like, just start writing, dad. So I started writing. And then at night, okay, did you read, did you write anything today? Like read it to me, you know, at bedtime, I'd read it. And she'd get all excited or she'd go, that was wrong. Oh, no, no, no. This character would never do that. Like, oh, well, let's fix it here. And we'd fix it together. And so we developed this first book together. And I went through the same process, brought it to writers groups, you know, friends, early readers. And, you know, it grew and changed a ton from that first draft. And it literally took probably close to three years, two and a half years before I finally published. I, I brought it to a professional editor. I thought it was about 95% done. And she, you know, came in and... <laughs> tore the thing apart, helped me really build it up, build up the characters, improve the writing style, all that stuff. So it took a long time to get it to where, where it is today, where I'm proud of it, and uh, but it was worth it, right? And then after the first one was published, of course, we just kept writing together and writing. Uh, so there's four in the series at this point, and <laughs> Celia is now 15 and doesn't want to be involved with Dad and writing our stuff. So, so I finished... The fourth book by myself but her her fingerprints are all over it still so anyway <laughs> she sounds like a harsh editor <laughs> oh yeah she's tough well she does her own writing now and she does there's a whole world of technology she's in these discord groups 
where they create characters and write collaboratively with people around the world. I mean, it's just a, a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep up with them sometimes. I mean, my kids are grown and out of the house, but they, um, you know, I, I have I have collaborated on a series with my oldest um, when he was younger in his twenties. But you know, as he he grew out of it too when he had a kid of his own and, you know, moved uh-huh. off from college to a job and had a family and all those things. So yeah, they, they grow out of those, those stages in life, but it is a joy to be able to share that creative experience with one of your kids at, at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, what was that experience like? And you talked a little bit about um, how much you loved, you know, collaborating with her, on mm-hmm. the characters and, and how she really had internalized some of the things. Um, tell us a little bit more about what that experience was like. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, as she aged, like I, in book three, it was kind of like she she would pick up the novel with a pencil and just like write stuff all over the place. Like, this makes no sense. This character is acting like a robot. Where's the emotion, dad? You know, and like... <laughs> <laughs> that kind of critique um but early on it was kind of like this character is not like that like this guy's supposed to be this leader and you're you have him just he's not even involved in this scene like what and so it was stuff like that one. oh yeah i could rewrite it like i had this other person you know being a lead character in that scene but it's like you know really paying attention to you know what in her mind was the this this character was this kind of person and it's like oh yeah yeah i need to write that in more and so that kind of stuff was really really helpful um you know i'm also i mean like any any human i think i really enjoy bouncing ideas off of another person and and so i'd be like getting to a chapter and just like any author you you get to those chapters where you go ah what am i going to do next how am i going to get through this chapter to get to the next thing that i was going to do on the next chapter and you got to sort it through and it might take, you know, a couple of days of thinking. And it's nice to have someone to talk it through. You know, and Celia is just a super big idea person and just like always throwing things out there. And even if they're not things we incorporate, that was a lot of fun too. you know, to just have that dialogue throughout the process. Is it well, is that would you say that's your most favorite part of writing is being able to kind of brainstorm, co-create, collaborate with someone else? Well, uh, <laughs> I think probably not. I mean, I've now written another book that's in a draft format, a sci-fi novel. I just kind of had another idea that I wanted to run with. Um, it's probably my working title is The Everworld. Um, and uh, so that's that's probably going to come out by the summer, I'm imagining. Uh, I finished the first draft and um, just by myself, 100%. Like, actually, I gave it to Celia to read the first three chapters, like a few months ago when I was just starting. And she was like, this is great, dad, keep going, right? So like, but that's all I heard. It's like, she's not involved, right? <laughs> so no, I think, you know, I get a lot of joy in the writing process personally. Uh, just like, I, I actually enjoy it more than like write, reading a book because, you know, I'm, I've got this idea and it's like the, it's almost like, you know, you walk into the forest, you don't know what you're going to expect. You know, you kind of, you, you know, you're not sure what's going to be around this bend. And I kind of feel that way. I'm discovering what's going to happen. You know, even though I've got this outline in my head of where it's headed, I don't know what this character is going to say or do. I don't know as I'm writing it, like, 
suddenly this new thing is gonna I, I could get inspired you know it's like you're just kind of out there exploring i i just love the process <laughs> so yeah. when someone picks up phoenix rising and starts the elementalists what what is their experience going to be like what do you expect them to to have happen as they pick up and read one of your books uh you know, the thing that I find uh, people say a lot of the reviewers have said is is they get lost in the story right away. Um, and, you know, I was rereading uh, some some reviews that, you know, where people are saying um, they like how the, the writing style doesn't explain a bunch of like, here's the magic system of this world or whatever. You just discover it as you go. And and I think there's something really delightful about that. I also think, you know, what's really you can really see it in that first book in particular, where it's really got a lot of the voice of a an adult as well as a child creating it. There's a lot of this is from the child's perspective. And, and you know, it's like there's situations you get into where this kid is like surrounded by all these adults who are ignoring her. And she's like, what the heck? And you know, it's like, here, this is the main character and no one's paying attention to me. You know, kind of thing. And and I think, you know, that kids go through that a lot. You know, and this kind of came about as I was writing these scenes with my my daughter where it was like yeah so i think i think it's really got that kind of really fun and 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 kind of almost real element to it even though it's like a fantasy world right with with pixies and dragons and goblins and um but yeah it's i would call the first book kind of like a coming of age um you know this female lead is a 12 year old character named amber and um you know, the book picks up with like this, you know, right away you enter into like this excitement and this mystery because there's a field that, you know, in her small town on the on the coast that burns and they've realized some some creature must have, you know, there was a creature someone spotted that set it off. And they're like, what? What kind of creature would do that? You know, there's no dragons around here. Or there's a phoenix, but it's friendly. So like, what? And so it raises this question of what's going on. And then uh, Amber is a friend of the the pixies in the forest and they, they, they tell her to go off and, and figure out what's going on and give her a little help and, and it sends her on her way. So she uh, takes off and, and starts uncovering. There's this deep plot of these sinister wizards who are, are plotting against not her town, but just in general. And, um, so she starts uncovering some of this uh, and, and learning about herself and meeting friends along the way. So, yeah, it's a great kind of epic story. You know, when you think of all four books, the books mature as they go. So by the fourth book, it's kind of like we're saving the world. And in the first book, you're saving your your town, right? Like, so it's kind of like <laughs> the books grow along with the readers and and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, you kind of gave us a little bit of, a, of an extended blurb or pitch though, like, how do you describe this series or the first book to readers who are new to you or the series? How, how do you describe that or pitch it to them? Yeah, I would I would say it's kind of an epic uh, fantasy for young adult, you know, younger readers. It's appropriate for as young as eight, maybe, uh, you know, uh, depending on the on the person, I suppose. And um, yeah, it's kind of an epic storyline with uh, with I think deeper characters than this genre often has, you know, uh, with, with, with characters that have some more depth and, and fleshed out personalities and, and the need for, you know, that character growth in every book. I think that that's something I paid a lot of attention to. So I think that's a, a good way to explain it. It's kind of got 
a little of a, a little of a lot of good things uh, going forward. You described yeah. the magic being um, something that the readers discover the rules yeah. for along the way. Was that because you were discovering some of that yourself as you wrote it? Or was that because a, yeah. a, a conscious decision on your part? Um, it was definitely both. <laughs> I definitely was discovering and writing down the rule. So, um, yeah, we didn't just take verbatim some other magic world system, whatever. We created our own. And uh, so, like, there's elemental powers, and we we have six. Uh, you know, you know, most most people have four, you know, fire, fire, earth. Uh, air and um, and water, but we have also plants and animals. So we have six, and um, that's the kind of the. So that's like one of the core things. But then there's like um, there's there's like other magic, you know, that we also kind of changed the way you you do it, you know, with spells and wands, you know. But but we toned it down and made that less powerful. But then there's a. Uh, like magic for the whole world and like there's hot spots in the world that have more magic depending. And so all of this is like fresh and new that we kind of came up with. And, um, but yeah, some of it was, we came up with it uh, as we went <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> but my brother, my brother uh, is uh, he's, he's one of my key early readers and he's a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan. And he would, he would call me out on stuff all the time. He'd be like, this doesn't make sense. Happy. You know, <laughs> and he's like, I know you're not doing Dungeons and Dragons magic. I get that. But like, just so you know, like what you're doing right now breaks like all these other fantasy books I read. I was like, OK, OK, you know, what should we do instead? You know, so he helped a lot with the magic system. <laughs> well, J Jamie and I are both uh, tabletop RPG players and uh, I've okay. run campaigns, played in campaigns and and going back to the early 80s. And yeah. as a as someone who became a storyteller over the course of his life that there's something to be said about the interaction, the intersection between this collaborative storytelling that happens at the table, at the gaming table, and how that plays into your storytelling. And, and I, I know that I have pulled from campaigns, from source books, from lots of things in the RPG space when I decided to write traditional prose, genre of fiction. Yeah. Um, uh, have you been playing for a while? Did Do, do you play? Or is this just... uh, I, I don't anymore, but I did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I started with Dungeons and Dragons like any kid, and uh, moved into GURPS uh, and other others. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while, and I've thought of getting back into it, uh, but uh, I haven't recently. But I do. I do. To your point, uh, use a lot of that. That, of course, is a strong foundation. You know, Tolkien and that, and there's a lot of pillars in my my background of, of reading and playing games to, to drive this. <laughs> the, um, the villains, the, the wizards or whoever that, that are the dark ones in your story. Um, did you, do you tell us a little bit more about them? Because I find it's often, you know, it's that play between, you know, the hero and the, and the antagonist that, that, can really bring the story and people, you said people get lost in your story right away, which really tells me a little bit about how they must be caught up in the, um, the, the key parts of your adventure right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd say that in the first, the first book, the villains are a little more black and white, like 
simple. It's a shorter book. Uh, it's geared to a younger age, I think. Um, and they kind of have resolution with kind of the key, the key villain of the first book. But uh, there's, you know, other villains that uh, are, are involved. So, um, but yeah, as the book series progresses, the villains, uh, you know, as I, as I was writing the villain scenes, you know, you, you want them to be more, more and more believable and in some ways like a likable, if that's a thing, you want the villains to have more and more personality and background. And, and so as I wrote, I kept fleshing them out more and more. So by the fourth book, all these villains, you're like, wow, you know, a lot about these, these villains. And, and, and there's this team of them, you know, like, uh, I'm losing track. It's around eight. Um, and you, you know, and there's like, you know, you know, there's the one where it's like, oh, I really hope this person dies. But then it's like, well, this one, I hope, I hope this one becomes a good guy or something. You know, like you, and I've heard people, you know, some of my fans have been like, are you going to, are you going to make this villain become a good guy? Because he'd be so great. And I was like, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to tell you. Well, no, I got to buy the book to find out. <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the things that makes a really good villain wonderful for the reader because it, it is that sense of, wow, you know, if I was in this same situation, I have my, I might have made a similar decision, right? I mean, that's, that's where, you know, you've caught the reader and, and made them, made the villain somewhat sympathetic in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like the fourth book, uh, you know, and, and some of that too is the maturity of me working on it alone was I was, I fleshed that out a lot more, um, than the, the previous three. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the fourth book really explores that more fully than the other three, which I had a lot of fun with. I mean, it's, it's my favorite, but I, I love them all. I mean, uh, I've been revisiting book one, uh, I started, I think poorly recording, uh, the audio book for it. Uh, my wife tells me, no, no, you've got a great voice. You should just do it yourself. I was like, well, we'll see. So I started recording it and revisiting it and going, oh Yeah. I love how simple and enchanting the first book is. It just, you know, kind of brings you into the world really gently. And um, whereas the fourth book, it's like, hey, the world's in danger and we've got to do something today, you know, like, so <laughs> it's a really different kind of book, you know, in that sense. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, you talk about going from co-writing and collaborating with Celia uh, on The element, yeah. Elementalists to writing the 12th scepter, the fourth book basically by yourself with yeah. input from her, but less input, less direct input to yeah. circling back, going full circle back to the sci-fi genre. And I'm, and I'm curious, what's it like now going back to sci-fi having written four books in the fantasy genre? Uh-huh. Well, I feel like it's hugely influenced it. Of course, I, you know, I would also say, you know, going through the really tough editing process with a bunch of readers and you hear the feedback from all your fans. Once you publish, it just changes everything. You know, I definitely know that I'm a much, much better writer than I was 15 years ago when I started that first sci-fi novel more than 15 years ago. Uh, you know, I went back and reread some of it. I was like, Oh yeah, this story has got potential, but man, I, I think I would read really need to gut it <laughs> to, to, to elevate it to, to my current standard. And, I think that's just a natural progression. But yeah, I found actually I was I was thinking about that your question recently where I was looking at my my sci-fi novel and and going through cuz now that I finished the first draft I now I go through and think about more of the character growth and 
and and and some of the key things that I can do to make it uh, really really you know create the micro tension they call that you know uh, so that every page you know they call those a page turner you know where every page you want to like find out what's going to happen and and a lot of that is just the character growth right uh, you want to know if this person is going to overcome whatever you know they're they, and so um, but you know and I and I do include some of that in my first draft but. Uh, you know, and I, and I follow the advice of I can't even remember who, where it's like just get that first draft out. Don't even worry about all that stuff. Get it out and just make sure the story's good. Like the the plot is solid, which it is. And I like I like where I went with it. And now I'm going to go back and like really massage it and and, and give those characters a lot more of the depth. Um. So so anyway, I think all of that experience I've had on these other the Spanish genre definitely is influencing what I'm doing and I think I would probably do the same thing in whatever the genre I'm thinking maybe of writing something that's non-fantasy at all but just kind of more of like a novel that's present day uh uh so I'm thinking of like how could I use leverage some of this stuff but you know bring it into everyday world so I don't know I don't know what I'll do after this one because I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's funny. I call that coloring in the lines when I do it because, you know, I get okay. that first draft in and some authors cut a lot from their first draft as they edit and other authors add. And I'm one of those people that adds in. I feel like I, you know, get to a lot of places in my story where people are standing in a blank white space. <laughs> you know, they're having a conversation or they're having a fight or something and there's really nothing around them at all. So, you know, I have to color it in. For, for the readers make it more real. So I, I can certainly yeah. understand that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, go, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to resonate and say, yeah, I think it's actually a fun part of the process. Um, there's a great uh, author, Donald Mass, uh, or Moss, I don't know how you pronounce it. He's got double A-double-S. <laughs> and he's got some great uh, books on writing and, and, and trying to get to the heart of what makes you know, something emotional, what makes something character tick, what makes a, a story, you know, really pop. And, and cause he's, he's edited a ridiculous amount of books. And, um, so I'll use some of his writing prompts and get me thinking, Oh yeah. You know what, what is something I could do with this character and introduce at the beginning that they have to, you know, overcome over the course of this book, you know, to make this ending more compelling, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So, and you you it, mentioned, the, oh, go, I'm sorry, Scott, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say like, you know, the, the idea of being arriving at some destination of, of perfecting, you know, your writing craft is an illusion. It, it is a, it is a journey. It is, it is not a destination. I will never, ever arrive there. And I've had to make peace with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that brings me around to asking what, what, what authors influenced you either growing up or recently that, that have really impacted you think the way you write your stories? Oh man. I mean, if you could imagine any fantasy author leading up till 1992, I read them. <laughs> so, I mean, I can think, um, you know, and then, and, and I was at that era where, uh, you know, um, Terry Brooks, it was huge. Uh, Margaret Weiss, Tracy Hickman, I loved their their series, what they did. Um, of course, you know, as I grew older, I appreciated Tolkien more, but I didn't when I was younger. I thought, you know, because his stuff is a little more historical and descriptive. 
instead of you know jumping straight into action. Um, but I'd say you know just uh, what I you know Tolkien, of course, you know everyone lo- has this lofty goal of trying to aspire to be like that. But I I don't. I think the the work that he did in languages and history and stuff is like it's applaudable, but it's also like <laughs> not. Not something that I personally want to emulate because it's like you have to love history and languages to do what he did. But but a good story, you know. Um, so more more recently, you know, I I've of course read all the the most popular, you know, whatever the J.K. Rowling and in, in, in the Percy Jackson series and all these, you know, series, you know, because I'm I'm writing for young adults, so I want to, you know, my kids have like you got to read this one, so I'll read it with them or read it by myself. But um, you know, kind of my current fans of the books that I've loved, I love Neil Gaiman. Uh, I think he's just an incredible author through and through, and he, you know, and 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 screenwriter. Uh, you know, just uh, it blows my mind. I mean, I'm always delighted anything I see from Neil Gaiman. I'm just delighted, and I think, okay, how can I capture some of that? That you know, I don't know that essence, you know, in, in what I'm doing, where you just feel like you. You want to read the next chapter because you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, like <laughs> that's what he does. Um, and then, I, yeah, I recently read actually part of how I got inspired with this current series I'm writing. I read uh, Hank Green, a uh, couple of books. I think he calls them the Carls. I can't remember the titles of them, but it's a great kind of modern day sci-fi kind of. And I, I modeled the, the 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 setting of this my current book I'm writing off of off of that. Where it's just modern day, but sci-fi starts getting implemented, you know, in- introduced. And uh, so uh, those are some more recent authors I've been digging. Um, I could probably list another dozen more, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, for for me, I, I I didn't realize it at the time, but when Star Wars came out in '77, that was the touchstone for me to become a storyteller. Essentially, I I left that theater like mm-hmm. I. I still don't know exactly what I saw. I can't quite get my head fully around what I mm-hmm. just experienced, but I know that this is not like anything I've seen before. And yeah. in retrospect, what I realized was it was the, the, the story was great. You know, he followed the hero's journey arc, fine, great, solid go-to plot structure, but it was the world building. It was, there was so much visually that was just like, thrown away there's the references in the background that never get explained didn't have to be there that you could have taken them out and the scene would still work but that attention to detail i was like i want to go create worlds and then i want to tell stories in those worlds and mm-hmm. and i grew up writing writing uh, reading the chronicles of Prydain, lord of the rings in sixth grade the whole nine yards like i was full in on fantasy but that sci-fi movie was what really made me want to become a writer that's so cool yeah i I can resonate with that too. I mean, I I still refer back to Star Wars in my mind. Like, why was this so good? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think I think it is the world building. I think Scott's dead on. I, there's so much richness there that you you sense in that first movie, but you don't get any of it. You you get only getting snippets of it here and there, and you're hungry for for more. Yeah. You, you're not full. And, and so, you know, and you had to wait years for the next installment to come out. Um, but then that just left you hungry for even more. You know, it was like you realized there was a whole galaxy out there. Um, so I, I, yeah. I, you strive for that kind of connection with, a, with, a, with the people you're telling your stories to. Absolutely. 
Well, and you raise, you know, a challenge that I feel as an author where, you know, the, these these first books are kind of in some ways easier to write because, you know, everything's fresh and new and the reader wants to know. But then as you keep going and the Star Wars series went through this, like after after three movies, things started going downhill in my mind anyway, like where, you know, it's like, well, you now know all that there is to know, like in that area. Now what? Like, you know, you've got to really dig deeper and deeper to keep introducing new things. And I, f- I, f- I find a challenge there uh, with, with like, you know, writing a series, you, you know, yeah, I, th- I think the same happened with like the, the Marvel uh, superhero genre where it gets so big, you know, there's no more like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man where he's just like duking out some, some little petty thief. He's trying to save the world every show. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, these things get so big, you know, and, and I think that's a challenge as a writer to to try to either control that somehow or to continue to make it compelling to a regular person who's not out there saving the world. Well, and that's <laughs> that's one of the things I think that makes like the smaller s- series inside the Marvel Universe like Jessica Jones and Daredevil and those right. that take place in Hell's Kitchen. They're in that small little box where, you know, they have definable problems that people can appreciate even more because they're personal. Right. Um, I, I find that I find those much more of a touchstone for me now, even, you know, going back and watching them again, just enjoying them so much. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that, for just keeping it relevant to the watcher, you know, like that they can they can relate. They go, oh, yeah, I've had that issue. <laughs> We've hit the point where we like to throw five rapid fire questions okay. at our guest. And, and we call it the no wrong answer section on purpose because there are no wrong answers. Okay. So don't feel don't feel nervous. Just whatever first thing pops into your mind, say that and you're good to go. Okay. Here you ready? We go. Yeah. Okay. Favorite kind of cheese and a grilled cheese sandwich. I'll do a sharp cheddar. I like mm. a double. Yeah. Awesome. Vacation in the mountains or the beach? Well, I live in the mountains, so the beach. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you like to write in silence or do you like to have music in the background? Oh, I, I, all right. I'll say music, but I do both but equally. But probably, well, maybe music is a little more. All right. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> all right. I would say the first Star, the first three Star Wars for sure. Are, are, are the, the level set. And we've even talked about them because they're just so iconic uh, in storytelling. But gosh, I love Star Trek. How could you do that to me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, final question. And you've done great, by the way, so far. Final question. What book do you wish you had read sooner in life? Oh. You know, I. all right, I'm just firing it off, but I'm going to say Watership Down. I think that book is just incredible. I I read it. It's interesting. I read it as a part of a leadership class, like in my older age, uh, you know, and I'd seen this like chintzy cartoon as a kid, uh, which did not do it any justice at all. I mean, that book is incredible. You know, when you read it as an adult, you just go, wow, it's like he's really thought through leadership, you know, in, in this dynamic, because you've got this rabbit who's leading this whole group and he amasses he creates this whole new warren of rabbits and he's not the strongest he's not the smartest he's not the fastest 
you know, he, but he's the, he's the leader, you know, kind of this servant leader model where he's just like this incredible, you know, individual who, who builds this thing from scratch. And I just think it's an incredible story that's worth a reread for anyone who hasn't, um, I don't know if I'd appreciated it as a teenager, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I did, I did now, now I need to, to go back it. and now I need to go back and read it as an adult because I I, I, exactly. I feel like I'm going to get something so much more out of it. So thanks for thanks for the tip. Absolutely, yeah. I told Celia that she had to read it, and she's like, "This book is fantastic." You know, I loved it. So there you go. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, listen, uh, Effie, why don't you share with folks how they can find you online and your books and um, where the best place to reach you is? Awesome. Yeah. So. Uh, TheElementalists.net is my website. Uh, I'm sure if you just type my name in, Effie Risho, it's it's not a normal name, E-P-H-I-E-R-I-S-H-O, but uh, you could you can find me there that way too. But yeah, TheElementalists.net and all my information's there. You can join the mailing list. You can get the books if you want them signed or you just buy them on Amazon, whatever. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Well, Absolutely. you did a great job dude, as, as a debut guest on a podcast. You did a great job. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> well, you're you're good. You're, you 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 know what you're doing. You're asking the right questions, and you're you're keeping me going. So I appreciate that too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Effie. All right. Cheers. Have a good one, guys. You know, Scott, as somebody who's written a story or a series with my child, um, I can just imagine how rewarding it must have been for Effie to write with his daughter on um, the Elementalist series. And um, I'm also excited for him for branching out on his own and uh, writing a new sci-fi book. So we'll have to find out more about that when he gets fat, that finished. Um, but anyway, uh, we have links to Effie's website. And everything we talked about with him over in the show notes at jamiedavisbooks.com. You'll find a link right at the top of the page or in the drop-down menu if you're on a mobile device for podcast. Just go to that and you'll be right there and you can find his page. And uh, all the links to everything are there. So hope you'll follow up on that and find other episodes as well. Scott, uh, why don't you share with the folks out there how they can get in touch with you and follow what you're up to? Easiest way is to go to scottiswriting.com and I am Scott is writing on social media. How about you? Well, you can check out my new community or well, newish community over at the Ream site where I have a follower and a social community over there for subscribers as well. You can link up with me and read uh, two free short stories just for clicking the follow button. Head over to jamiedavisbooks.com slash family. That'll take you right there. And you'll be able to find uh, those two short stories in short order. So I hope you enjoy it. Until next time, though, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker. And we're asking you to keep on reading and keep listening right here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast.